Joining me on this edition of Eusebius on Times Live is the leader of One South Africa Movement and a former Democratic Alliance leader, Musi Maimane. And uh, we're going to be talking about the election results. 74% of them are in at the time that we're having this conversation. So there's a lot to already work with, even as we wait for the final numbers. And we're going to talk about what he's been up to, his interest in these elections and everything else related to that. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Lucy, thanks so much for joining me on Eusebius on Times Live. Yeah, it's my great privilege. Thank you for the invitation and it's I certainly look forward to our conversation together. Yeah, and I can hear you clearly, but I also want to beg a little bit of indulgence with listeners of Eusebius on Times Live. Musi is in a slightly empty room, so there's a little bit of an echo, but um, you, the content, you don't want to miss a beat. Musi, the first thing I want to do is for us to spend just a minute or three talking about you. I know that you want to talk about the issues and about residents and voters, but let's catch up with you. I mean, the first thing to be said, right, is that you, you left the DA and um, and then you became lit on Twitter. <laughs> I think I, I, there are a couple of things. I mean, one, when I was leader of the DA, I was in my late 30s. And now in my early 40s, you just get older, <laughs> a little bit more relaxed about life. Uh, so that's the first. And I've become a father of three kids. So So that alone has brought a degree of maturity in the political space. But I think also, secondly, uh, not having a boss frees you up. <laughs> you kind of feel like uh, you can, you can not that, you know, when I was leader of the DA, part of the work that you had to do was to consider so many interests. They're not boss in that sense. It's mm. donor interests. There were many others. And that's the job of leading a party of that nature. But now to build a movement authentic to my own values, my own drive has given me a massive opportunity to, if you like, drive the issues and become much more relaxed, uh, even on social media, and, and to allow my true, my broader self, my whole self to come. Because I think sometimes we must realize that people, myself, yourself, we're a combination of many experiences. I'm yeah. as much a township child as much as I am the ex-model C child. I am as much an entrepreneur as much as I'm also one who hustled to try and find your first job. So I'm as much, mm. you know, so that we are all a combination of many things. And I think I'm I, allowing I couldn't agree with you more, yeah. There's also something about getting older where you go, you know what, without um, not caring, 
about how you are perceived and experienced by others, yeah. you do have latitude once you realize, you know, you only have one life. At some point, you need not to say you're not authentic before, but maximum yeah. authenticity. You truly don't give yeah. as many Fs as you, as you used to before. But I wanted to link that to a slightly more earnest version of the same question. I don't know how many data points make for, um, you know, a pattern that, that should be described as a pattern. I had a similar conversation with Lindy with Mazibuko a couple of weeks ago on this platform. And I observed, and it's just my observation, I wonder whether my listeners will agree with me, that even with Lindy, there was an incredible degree to which she became more relaxed after exiting formal politics. I loved her column writing. I think that she speaks with a freedom uh, psychologically that, that is that is making her more interesting as well to observe and to listen to now, rather than working within, and she said something similar to what you've just mentioned, working within the strictures of party politics. How much of that is only about not having a boss the morning after you leave, but how much of it is, in addition to that, the specific dynamics of the democratic alliance? I think one of the things that... uh perhaps is that is at fault well within the DA is that in many ways they suffer from the problem that Steve Biko described, which is that the challenge with many DA type liberals, let me put it that way, is that they believe that you must give expression to liberalism in the way that they perceive it to be. And the moment you contradict and, contra- and, 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 and go against that, not because you are any more or less committed to the values of, of what it means to be an individual, what it, all of that, is that you then find yourself in a space where, A, you don't fit in. And I think there's something about the DA that, to be honest with you, in the preaching of tolerance, is a highly intolerant organization in the superiority of the very group that I in charge now and the perception of themselves is that it subconsciously suppresses diversity of views, diverse individuals, and it becomes less inclusive mm. in a bizarre sort of world. Mm. And so I do think there's something about the culture of the organization that has been inbred in there for, for decades that needs thorough reflection in that it, it, it creates the space where I think, and for me, it's not just unique only to the DIA. I think it's sometimes manifests itself in some aspects of corporate South Africa in certain spaces. But I do think uniquely in the DIA, this is a question that DIA must ask itself intently. Why is it that there's a discomfort to views that are contradictory to a small cabal of people who believe that the DA by birthright is theirs to own uh, in time for eternity. When you started the One South Africa movement, I felt, Musi, I said this to a mutual acquaintance of ours, I won't say his surname, but it's Tabo, so you all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, Musi is likable, he's, let's talk horribly about optics, you know, you've got the blended family down. You've got lots that one can project that I can imagine. Broadly, capital can quietly back as a horse 
that's needed for political stability, which in turn will make business sense to them. Why not go for broke, contest the elections, enter properly? I don't know whether the guy's an analyst, whether he's a broadcaster. Now he's holding quasi rallies and signing events for independents that don't quite answer to him directly. What? But I've shifted that view because I think you've made interesting inroads in the headspace of South Africans. And I think there's a basis for entering formal politics again. But why don't you do the work of explaining what the thinking then was behind one South African movement? Because you remain a politician. You, you, haven't, you're not, you haven't become apolitical like Lindy where. So there's, there's method to, to what's going on here. Well, when I, when I left the DA, part of it wasn't just the internal dynamics of the DA itself. Part of it was the broken political system as I perceive it. And I think the recent election results have come to prove me correct. Secondly, authentic to the ANC and to a large extent the DA, who are consumers of, at the time, 70% of our electoral headspace. Those are two elite organizations. So I felt that they perpetuated the sense of elitism. The issues of the poor were just spoken about in sloganism, but not truly attended to. And thirdly, that when I reflect personally, if three calls came on my phone, one was from a donor, the other was from a fellow politician, and and the last being the citizen, I thought the citizens would take that, be answered last, etc., etc. So it meant that the politics of our country were not responsive to the citizens, mm. which perpetuated instability. That's the first thing. Mm. The second is, I thought, if you want to bring change, South Africa doesn't just need change politically, because our problems don't just, they may be encapsulated in politics, but they don't begin and end there. There's a problem in business. There's a problem socially. The, the, the fabric of our society is under pressure. So if you want to reform society and you, you yourself as a leader feel the genuine invitation to reform all of society in order to bring leadership to society, you need to think broadly about a reset. So when we started One South Africa, we wanted to reignite activism. We wanted to ensure that the citizens were at the center of it so that you could truly give leadership and to invite society in its broader sense to say, can business people participate here? Can civic society organizations participate here? And then can you truly bring change to society? And so I think, and I maintain as a working thesis, that once you achieve that, you can truly then attend to the political project with a genuine agenda led by people, rather than simply saying, you are just only going to narrow reform society and say you're going to change the politics of the country and miss what happens in the rest of society. You and I had a preliminary version of this conversation in prepping for it. You made an interesting point, which I think you won't mind me sharing with our listeners, that it will be interesting to see what the combined numbers of the ANC and the DA are. I've been doing that the whole day because I actually find that a really interesting data point to observe and then to impose meaning on it. The last time combined, they had about 81%. 
And the number keeps shifting throughout the day, but for the most part, the drop is about a 10% differential downwards. And at some point, it was about 13 during the day. And certainly not 80%, let alone higher than that, towards 90%. And if we combine that with a massive drop in voter turnout, despite the 2 million increase in the number of people who registered compared to the last time, it means numerically alone, before we even talk about real human beings, just on the numbers, that there is an opportunity here for existing outfits politically to do better and for new entrants to come in really excite South Africans who are jaded or who have never participated. Would you share that analysis or how do you read the numbers with about 74% of the vote counted? I think you've um, summed it up absolutely well. And I think the other broader issue is participation in the sense that now we're discussing truly the minority in the country electing the government or the minority of registered voters in that sense. So we have to then say to ourselves, the new, now let's define the new electorate. Because the new isn't just going to be simply another political party. I still hold that thesis. The National Party, as brutal a system as apartheid was, defined itself as a liberation movement for the Africana in a post-colonial world as they framed it. The removal and the defeat thereof didn't just take the leadership of the political leadership in the NC and many others, the PAC, the consciousness to end its contribution of ideas. It took extra players. It took the role of civil society. It took students. It took all of them. Now, if we frame the NC in the same way, you've got to realize that part of what's happened in these elections with the infusion of independents coming on board, who many of them are reflective of civil society, business, etc., that to decrease the number for both the established parties in the DNANC, which I think suffer from the same problems in different ways, has meant that we are truly beginning to see that coalition of society saying, how do we participate in politics in a proper manner and bring about the change we require? So to me, these election results reflect a really positive inclusion of citizens uh, and a different form of participation. Could we maximize further on that? Of course we can. It's still a journey towards 2024. But I do think uh, it is indicative of the fact that freedom will never be granted to people, especially in the post liberation era. It will never be granted by the liberators. It ought to be challenged for by people who are on the outside. And so to me, there's as much a vote of those who booed the president, Martin Tully House, as much as there are those who turned out and voted for independence. When are you uh, going to register a new political party? <laughs> I won't because I think first and foremost, we've, I've been advocating for electoral reform. And part of advocating for that reform means that we want a constituency-based model. We want direct elections of members of parliament and provincial legislatures. So June 2022 becomes the question where we say, what does parliament do with the constitutional court judgment that was issued last year? Once we know that, we can then truly begin to say, well, what is the vehicle that is best equipped 
to not lose some of the principles that I'm talking to now, the centrality of citizens, that it's for us, it's by the people, the principle of accountability, and that in fact change must engender the whole of society. We uphold those and say people are united by truly the value of Ubuntu. We can then really drive that change come 2022, building towards 2024. So I, I think it needs, it, we, it would be premature to answer that question. Not inherently, but let's take it step by step. If the kind of electoral reform that in your opinion is best for maximizing responsive, ethical, people-centered government does not happen, and there is some reform that is minimally compliant with the constitutional court ruling, but it falls short of the substantive analyses that you've given for what we what we truly deserve in terms of reform. Does that mean that you won't enter politics because the version of political reform that you desire as a citizen had not happened? No, not at all. It means that I'll enter. Enter we will, play we must, but it will take a different form. It's a bit like saying, is it 15's rugby or 7's rugby? To play rugby, I'll play. It's whether, what are the different permutations as to that. So if the only hammer we can use to drive the nail of eventually bringing about electoral reform will require a political party of some sort that doesn't forego these principles, then one must be found that is able to achieve that change. But we have to continue the battle because at my core, I truly believe the system as we have it at the moment is discredited and you don't solve the political problem by just I, adding... I don't disagree with that at all. And um, maybe that's something we can discuss more fully on, on another forum next week <laughs> when you invite me. Um, but, yes. but, but, but just for purposes of this discussion, I just want to have a small version of it and let's make a mental note to take it further on, on, on your Twitter spaces uh, invitation you've given me. But I want, wanted to ask you this is, you know, when it comes to, firstly, just factually, because this is for Times Live, you, you will re-enter politics. It's a question of how and when. Okay. That now, is absolutely correct. And, and when I say in many ways, I haven't even, my support and lending of, of independent movements, I don't see that action as more or less political. I see it as a different one. Now, as far as Musimai Mane being on the ballot themselves, that is still going to happen because I truly believe in this country and I believe I want to bring change to this country, but must reform all of what this country wants wants to do. So so definitely it's not it's not it's not I'm not trying even to be coy about it. I'm trying to be direct and say my sole objective in this country is to bring about change so that truly South Africa can enter a post-liberation era. You and I are the same age. We are that lovely in-between generation, the first experimenters with multicultural <laughs> cross-racial schooling. Uh, almost had a taste of apartheid, you know, while you were in your nappies, but we're not hamstrung by the psychological memory of our parents and their politics. Um, and that's me 
me setting you up to to guilt trip you into giving me a straight answer rather than a sort of ANC. Um, it depends on what the people say type of response. Um, would you like to be president of South Africa? I will run for president in this country because we have an agenda for change. And sometimes the position is less than that agenda. That agenda is important. Okay. And so on electoral reform, you see, and this is why I'm saying it requires us to drill down into it a bit more, which we'll do on Monday. Um, The right men and women are needed in politics. There's about to be coalition talks. You know how complicated they get and how they go wrong when there's often horse trading for positions rather than a focus on divvying up the responsibility to fix the town because politicians would rather talk about the spoils of positions and titles than Musi, you look after the billing crisis, Eusebius, you're going to look after the potholes and let's tell the public who's taking on what duty and they can judge you are successful within the coalition. Um, you know, and, and that's sort of like what we, what we are hamstrung by. In that context, I would rather, if I supported Musi, you go into the existing political system, keep mobilizing us to force the political parties to vote against their selfish short-term interest and bring about reform. But I'd rather have you in the system as is, looking after these practical issues than all these debates from the side, how how suboptimally the system is that we designed during CODESA. So, uh, so I just need to get that question correctly. So, what what essentially are you asking? Why wait until you have electoral reform when you need to go and fight to undo the damage of the current leaderships within the current system, even as you are arguing for reform? No, I mean you must appreciate that at local government there's been a degree of reform. Well, the the, the system of independence has been allowed to do so. Secondly, the Concord has already ruled to say there must be reform. So it's not about just waiting. Uh, June next year, Parliament has to pronounce itself on this matter, on the how, not on if, but on the how. Once we understand that how, then we go into 2024 to fight the battle. I do maintain, given all of these issues that we are raising, is that in 2024 we are going to have a coalition government. That's for me, the first big exciting opportunity. Secondly, within that coalition government, we have to redefine the role of the person of the president, and a woman, and what type of cabinet they then appoint and work with. And I think there's a big opportunity then, then we could say to ourselves, will we mobilize for the most professional cabinet uh, in the recent one, rather than one that is just politically loaded, the most professional. So those shifts are going to happen. And then to your question about judging all the rest of the reforms, I think it would be a miss of me to say, whatever happens in 2024, the leadership of this country must reform the electoral system, but it's not just the electoral system. I think the way we've imagined the state, we're dealing with hegemonically how the ANC conceived the state, which I think has got its own shortcomings. Mm. It served, it would have served us for 30 years. Let's bring about the change. And let's continue the reforms as we go. Musi, all the best with your political ambition and thanks so much for having joined us.